everyone. Welcome to Eco Insights. If you haven't been here before, my name is Chloe Young. And I'm Georgia Scott. And we're your hosts and the co-executive directors of EcoCircle International. So today we have a really interesting guest, Ami Borenstein, founder of SnapLink Consulting. And he's going to tell us about all the great work he's done within the apparel industry, specifically linking to sustainability. So um, Ami, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your job history? Sure. Um, so I started my career in the outdoor equipment, outdoor clothing, outdoor gear industry uh, a long time ago. Uh, spent about 25 years in that industry, started in the 90s. Um, throughout my time uh, in the industry, brought thousands of products to market uh, from all over the globe of a portfolio of different materials and uh, really learned what it takes to bring products to market kind of good, bad, and, and ugly. And uh, over that time also became aware of the impacts that many of those products had on the environment. Amazing. And after how many years or just, I guess, more so, what was the process of you really realizing the impact that the outdoor recreation industry had on the environment that made you want to start transitioning more towards sustainable apparel? So as I referenced, you know, I started to become aware that effectively what was going on is we were creating a one-way pipeline, extracting resources out of the ground because much of what I brought to market was uh, synthetic materials, extracting resources out of the ground, uh, turning them into finished goods, and then, you know, with no real end-of-life management strategy. And so started to realize that perhaps couldn't necessarily right away bring things to, you know, close loop, cradle to cradle, but could really start taking some big chunks out of the impact that those products had on the environment. Um, so over uh, probably in about 2007 or eight, I became involved with uh, a working group within the outdoor industry. And we sat down together and realized that there was an opportunity to, to do better collectively as an industry. And so what we created at that time was called the OIA Eco Index. And the vision at the time was essentially a nutrition label for sustainability for uh, apparel, footwear, textiles, and related consumer products. And so in that I had a lot of perspectives of my own, but I got to work with really some of the best in the world leaders in sustainability, which opened my eyes to the fact that there were ways to really begin to substantially reduce impact in the products uh, that I was bringing to market in my career. Definitely, that's amazing. And I think with the outdoor industry as a whole, I think especially since it's related to the environment, it's almost naturally associated with sustainability and due to that I feel like the public doesn't often think about the impact that the outdoor industry is in fact having on the environment. Mm -hmm. I myself who love hiking and camping don't often think of the impact that you know the backpacks I'm buying or the sleeping bags or the tents because that doesn't initially cross your mind because you're thinking oh I'm connecting with nature I'm going outside in the forest or in the mountains or you know whatever but ironically that's actually a time where we really should be thinking about the life cycle of our products being mm -hmm. used. You know, even now with like 
um, at the top of Mount Everest, microplastic samples being found. And they're saying that's coming from like coats people are wearing or microplastics mm -hmm. contained in the tents that people are setting up. And that's something that I'd never really thought about before, especially for an industry that everyone you would immediately think is so tuned in to environmentalism, you know, including the people purchasing these products. But mm -hmm. ironically, it's something that we really need to be moving forward on, which is why it's so amazing you're doing what you're doing. So you mentioned about um, the index that you use, that's like a nutrition label for sustainability. So why is measuring and quantifying sustainability so important? And can you please explain what the HIG index is and why it was created? Yeah. Um, so again, the OIA uh, eco index that we created uh, way back then uh, has morphed into what's now known as the HIG index. Um, and so to answer your question slightly out of order, um, the importance of understanding or, or the important part of understanding impact is really uh, being able to measure the impact that any given item has on the environment. And so what you see out there broadly today are a lot of claims on product that are not necessarily well measured. And what I say to every last one of my clients again and again and again until I sound like a broken record is you can't manage what you don't measure. And so it's critical to have measurement tools. The problem has been historically is that those measurement tools are actually very expensive, very challenging to use, very highly specialized. What's great about the HIG index is that those tools have been uh, somewhat simplified. There's still, you know, a body of knowledge required to execute the HIG index tools. Um, there's still some complexity and, and organization understanding and background knowledge that you need to, to go into the HIG index tools, but they have become much more accessible, more accessible than ever. Um, so much so that everybody from REI to uh, Disney to Walmart has requirements around some of their suppliers uh, working through their supply chains to use the HIG index as a way to measure sustainability. And so the opportunity is to use the HIG index to measure sustainability and then drive towards uh, continuous improvement. And so, so the answers are, are quite interconnected, you know, why is quantifying uh, and measuring so important? Well, because without that, you don't really know your baseline impact and you don't really know if changes reduce that impact. Um, and what is the HIG index? The HIG index is actually a set of, uh, depending on how you count, five to seven tools that help brands uh, work through measuring that impact and begin the journey towards impact reduction. Yeah, I definitely like what you said about how important measuring is because at the end of the day, like co companies, they aim to make a profit, right? And in the fight for a sustainable future, you can't neglect that because that's the aim of the company. Um, and it's, I think it's really important within the whole movement just to remember the goals of all the different participants, right? You got the government, the individuals, the businesses, and no kind of group within that can be neglected and everything does have to be accounted for. And with regards to business, I think measuring is definitely one of the best ways to do that. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of following on that, to you, what really is a sustainable business, more specifically in the apparel industry? Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a good question, not an easy one to answer, right? Because there are businesses that are 
starting out very, very small and they commit to sustainability uh, throughout every last aspect of what they do, uh, which is great. Uh, but there's a pretty good argument to be made that changing practices in a company that hasn't historically led with sustainability can actually have uh, greater impact reduction, right? I mean, you think about a company at scale, um, a 1% change of a you know, $100 million company has a lot more you know, same amount of change maybe as a 100% change at a million dollar company, right? So, so it's important to, I think, av uh, avoid the tendency to turn to labels, right? A, biz a sustainable business, right? And instead look at impact reduction as something that has both breadth and depth. Meaning how many ways can you reduce impact within a business? but how big is your business? Therefore, at what scale can you reduce impact? And, and that's critically important to remember in this journey. And I would actually say the other piece uh, to remember is consumers, right? It's not, you, you know, we, we want to lay these activities uh, at the footsteps of businesses, but it's important to remember that we as consumers consume, and that's why these businesses deliver these products. And so I think it, it, it's, it's important to remember there's breadth, there's depth, there's collaboration, and then there's the responsibility of the consumer. And we put all of those together and maybe consumers consume a teeny bit less, maybe scaled businesses make incremental improvements, their environmental impact, and kind of push that all together. And all of a sudden you can see substantive real change. Uh, and again, I, I tend to not want to label a business sustainable or not sustainable because it's it's really hard to define what that means or, or frankly, how much it matters. Yeah, I think like you were saying, scaling is really important because I read the other day that Walmart buys 10% of China's exports. So wow. a business like Walmart changing and switching to a more sustainable model or starting to use things like the Hague Index, I mean, that makes such a dramatic difference. Tremendous scale. Definitely, and just building on what you were saying about not having labels i think that's why quantifying sustainability is so crucial for both the business and the consumer you know especially in this age of greenwashing coming mm -hmm. more of an issue with these businesses you know using just psychological marketing tactics you know to make people think that products are environmentally friendly when maybe actually they haven't changed anything about the product besides you know the tree on the front of the packaging you know and when you're talking about the Hig Index almost being like a nutrition label for food, you know, I like to think of it kind of make people understand it more. It's like saying if you see a box of cookies and they say, oh, this is healthy or, oh, this will make you look great. You know, that's that's a different version for everyone. And that's not at all quantifiable if you're just using the adjective healthy. You know, that's like sustainable, you know. A business can say that because there's no necessary there's not necessarily a benchmark for that whereas if you say you know once again everyone's definition of health is very different i'm not a nutritionist but if you say this has been reduced fat by 30 percent or 50 percent less sugar than before if we compare that to something like water usage carbon emissions things like that that is crucial to tackling the issue of greenwashing and making it much easier for the consumer to consume responsible responsibly mm -hmm because a lot of people are now looking for more, quote, sustainable products. 
So talking about companies shifting towards sustainability, how do you shift the company from compliance to a compassion mentality? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, one of the things I do like to say is a lot of my work with clients is going from, uh, in their sustainability efforts, from compliance, because many companies are required to follow uh, certain sustainability practices now, uh, from compliance to compassion. And so, um, you know, the nice thing is uh, I often don't have to push or compel companies to do this. A lot of times uh, when uh, my company is approached, it's because of that compliance issue. And so that's what we address first and foremost. And what I see as our job throughout that process is to convey that this is not terribly difficult. It's, it's work, but it's not terribly difficult. Uh, it's not impossibly complex. Uh, oftentimes it doesn't drive massive cost changes. Uh, and, and I would say in all of those, it takes a little money, it takes a little time, it does drive a little bit greater cost. But what many companies see is that it's actually, it's achievable, it's attainable, it doesn't tip their business over completely. And there's actually benefits, right? I mean, they start to understand that they're reducing their impact. Uh, they start to find opportunities to communicate that impact in their uh, marketing and they start to see sales improve because they're doing the right thing. Um, and, and it just feels good as a corporation to know you're doing the right thing, demonstrably know you're doing the right thing. So the nice thing is, even though I talk about that quite a bit with my, uh, with my clients, um, what I don't do is ever sort of define a moment at which that happens. It's really, I see that as, as the job of myself and my colleagues uh, from day one to really demonstrate that these things are attainable, they have the right thing to do and they, and they feel good. Do you even necessarily think it's important that a company, especially big companies, shift towards this, quote, compassion mentality? Or do you think that at the end of the day, these for-profit businesses, once they see the positive impacts just for their company, you know, for, you know, reducing waste and increasing efficiency of the production process, something like that, do you think just once they see those changes, that's enough to push them towards long-term like true sustainability, or do you think it's quite important for the company to become compassionate towards the environment and its people? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the way to think of it is, is just like we as individuals uh, are different and make different decisions about how we approach different issues. I mean, I think the, the natural sort of order of things is that companies do the same. Um, some companies, when doing this work, uh, go through the process and go, wow, that wasn't so bad. And boy, I really enjoyed it. And wow, I see I'm having a tremendous uh, positive impact. And so I want to continue that work. Other companies say, you know, that's not core to what I do. Uh, I'm focused on, you know, delivering the best possible product for the people who want what I provide. Uh, I followed through on that compliance effort. I know you know, the same as other companies. I know that uh, by doing that work, my impact is reduced. I feel good and I'm happy. It's, it's better than it was yesterday. So it's, it's, you know, it's hard to say, you know, what the right answer is or how to immediately drive people for radical change because everybody is different. Everybody has different demands 
and different perspectives. And what we do at SnapLink is we just facilitate uh, these companies doing the best possible work that they can. Yeah, definitely. So I know this next question is quite broad, um, but what are the biggest ways in which apparel companies harm our planet and the people? And what's the best way that the public can actually find out if a product is contributing negatively to the environment or how a product is contributing? Yeah. So, I mean, I think uh, in the apparel industry, one of the biggest exposure points are uh, social and labor issues, um, which we haven't really touched on. Uh, one of the things I emphasize with all of my clients is that sustainability, I, I don't just look at that as environmental sustainability, but I also look at that as social sustainability. And so apparel, just because it's a very uh, manual industry, and because it is in some of the poorest, if not the poorest regions of the world, uh, I think the biggest thing apparel companies can do is focus on improving overall labor conditions. And many of them have uh, elevated those issues to the forefront and, there, and there's some great work going on, but, but a lot more work to do. Um, from an environmental standpoint, I mean, I think, um, uh, I, I think that's what I love about the Hig Index is actually there's a great way to look at it and, and do an initial assessment of a company's products and assess are they having the biggest impact on things like uh, carbon creation and climate change or are they having the biggest impact uh, with water consumption or fossil fuel consumption or uh, water pollution or chemical impacts, right? Those are the areas that the Hig Index uh, focuses on. And so it, it's hard to say, is there one way that companies are doing this that's you know, worse than some other way? The answer is no. Uh, the answer is, I think it's, it's about evaluating each company's products, determining where the greatest areas of impact are and focusing on reducing those impact areas environmentally, both you know, with regard to uh, you know, planet, but also it's critically important to remember there are millions and millions of people in the global uh, apparel supply chain. And this is also one where I do think as consumers, we have a pretty substantial responsibility, right? We've seen things like fast fashion become a massive source of uh, greenhouse gas creation and waste creation. And so that's where you look and go as consumers, uh, we're not doing the right things. Um, and, and again, this whole thing is an ecosystem. If consumers weren't willing to buy something to wear once and then discard it, there wouldn't be companies producing products to be worn once and then discarded, right? I mean, it's about supply and demand. And so I think in all of those cases, uh, the companies have a responsibility to measure, assess, and reduce. And I think as consumers, we have a responsibility to kind of measure, assess, and reduce our own impact, um, which, which probably comes down to, to you know, amount of consumption. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, have you heard of the app Good On You, or it's like a website and app? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, well, basically it rates um, fashion brands on like a, mm -hmm. Well, they measure them in three categories, animal impact, environmental impact, and social impact. And it's really interesting just to look through. It's a lot of like quite common brands. Like you have just the normal fast fashion ones, like the H&Ms, and you have more designer ones and everything in between. 
Um, and it's a really cool website. And I know, uh, what's her name? There's some celebrity that like sponsors it. Um, but it's definitely a good one to look at. And oftentimes if I like find a new brand, that's just what I go to. So it sums it up. Like there's like a range of smiley faces and like uh -huh. the like biggest smile is the most sustainable, frowns the least. And then it just gives you like a really brief summary of how the company's doing. And then you can look into the reasoning if you would like to as well. Yeah. Um, but that's a great tool. Interesting. I think things yeah. like, go ahead. Sorry. I think things like that are becoming like increasingly accessible to the public. You know, obviously there's not every company has the impacts, especially the negative impacts. Not every company is very transparent about that. But I think what's good is it is becoming increasingly transparent, which is so necessary within the apparel industry specifically, as mm -hmm. you're talking about with intersectional environmentalism, you know, the apparel industry with, you know, labor's rights, just the clothing industry is the second most, most polluter of clean water. You know, that's a lot more, just if we're talking about clean water alone, that impacts a lot more than just the environment and um, the marine ecosystems. It also impacts, you know, um, diseases, uh, waterborne diseases that impacts public health, you know, just access to clean water, basic things like that. Um, the apparel industry really does impact on a global scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think just, maybe to to put a fine point on that and, and circle back to what I said. I mean, one of the things I tell people is when they say, you know, how do I reduce my impact? I say, use it one more time, right? I mean, we as consumers have that responsibility and, and buying durable products that can be used for longer actually is one of the ways you can more substantially reduce impact instead of lighter weight products that are, you know, virtually disposable. So it's important to remember that we play a role. Yeah, especially in the, sorry, especially in the fast fashion industry where yes. that we've created this mindset of, I forgot the exact statistic, but it's something like the average um, woman wears her, like an item of clothing, like seven times, something like that on average, which is just ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And it's just this mindset that, you know, this happens in many different industries, but specifically in the fashion industry, there's this mindset that if it's not new, it's out of date, you know, it's not in season. Things like that, that are originally like, oh, what's in season? That originally sounded cool, but if you think about it, that's actually saying, what's basically the new thing that we're gonna be putting into the world that's gonna be creating issues with production and labor, all these different things, which why I'm so glad that people are starting to invest more in, you know, secondhand products or just using their clothing more, you know, it doesn't need to be fancy. It just needs to be, you know, you don't mm. need to get rid of that shirt that's in perfectly good condition so you can get another one. Just basic things like that that actually save people money yeah. at the end of mm. the day. Definitely. I think it was doubling like the life cycle of a piece of clothing from one to two years reduces emissions by 24% I believe mm -hmm. um, and I mean that just kind of shows you how important it is how important it is to just use what you have in your closet right and you were talking about that you know shop in your own closet I think that's definitely one of the best ways to reduce emissions and to really help the planet yeah um so agreed um so what do you um, what do you think are the best ways that businesses especially in the apparel industry can become more sustainable well, I think, I think using the right tools like the Hague Index uh, is really important, right? So to understand your impact before the product even gets created. 
is very powerful. Uh, understanding impact throughout your supply chain. Uh, the Hague Index includes labor management, uh, labor assessment, fair labor assessment tools uh, using those where you can literally create, uh, assess impact prior to product creation. Um, so I think that that's very, very important. I, I actually think enhancing durability is important. Uh, the product ends up a little bit more expensive, but it actually has a longer lifespan. Um, and I think uh, I, I think committing to those types of goals over time is also very powerful. When you publicly say, hey, we're going to take our carbon down by X percent over this period of time, or we're going to reduce our water consumption by X percent over this period of time, especially in this day and age when you say things like that publicly, uh, people hold you to account. And I think it's a powerful thing to be able to start to make those uh, statements and those claims. And the nice thing is, again, the tools like the Higgins Index aren't 100% of the way there, um, but they are getting closer every day. And probably within the next few years, we'll be at a point where that sort of nutrition label can be published, which then puts back pressure on companies to, to reduce those impacts. So that nutrition label looks better. Same thing with, uh, with food. And, and again, I also think it's important that we all remember, sound like a broken record, but we all remember that as consumers, we have a role as well. Buy things that are slightly more durable, use them for longer. Uh, all those things add up in meaningful ways and, uh, and ultimately drive down overall impact. Definitely, definitely. And what do you think are the best ways that people and just members of the public can encourage businesses to become more sustainable. You know, people talk about this a lot, you know, such as boycotts or political strikes for the government to enforce policies or maybe only shopping from sustainable stores. What do you think your advice is to people on a personal level to try to actively make these businesses more sustainable? Yeah, I, I actually think ask the questions. <laughs> of the businesses. Um, I, I think there are a lot of businesses out there that get uh, ill-informed questions or incomplete questions or, or basically no questions and they don't really uh, have to sort of defend uh, some of the decisions they're making. Um, and, and I think, you know, dialogue is powerful. Um, and beginning to ask those questions of the brands you care about the most is, is a very, very powerful way to move forward. Uh, ask a brand why don't they know what their chemical footprint is? Uh, why don't they assess, um, you know, their facilities for uh, fair labor? Uh, are they using best-in-class tools? I know we talked about Higgy Index. There are many others, but tools like uh, B Corp, you know, to to take a look in the mirror um, and assess their business and their practices, uh, to, to understand how they can do better. I think, you know, we're, we're in this environment where people tend to want to shout at each other, uh, rather than ask questions and start a dialogue, uh, shouting at each other just pushes people to their corners. Um, I, I think really sitting down, asking the questions, uh, understanding the answers, reconsidering and, and pushing back a little bit to say, well, okay, so you didn't do that. When will you do that? Um, I think that's how you create really, really powerful lasting change. Um, and, and it's critically important right now. And the nice thing is many, many, many companies at this point have started that journey. Um, and, and the other thing I always say to clients is start somewhere 
right? You don't have to boil the ocean. You're not going to be able to do it all today. Uh, but start somewhere. Uh, pick a portion of your product creation cycle, of your supply chain, of your uh, raw material chain, and go look at that part of what you're doing. And, and oftentimes as a business, you know where those impacts exist. Uh, you know where it's kind of worst in your supply chain. Go back and take a look and then start to measure and assess and, and begin to understand. Like I said earlier, it's just, it's, it's not that difficult. A little bit of time, a little bit of money. Yes, your costs will go up a little bit. Um, but in the end, you're going to understand a lot more about your business and how your products are created. Yeah, definitely. So how would people actually go about like having these conversations with businesses like via email or what's the what's the I mean, best th that, that's the other beauty of this moment we live in it's pretty easy to reach out and find people um you know you can find executives on linkedin uh you can dm on pretty much any platform um you know and, and companies pay attention now uh they care about the impacts of uh, you know conversation with consumers, and so I think it's it's reaching out, it's starting that conversation, and maybe that's a group like EcoCircle International saying we're asking this question on behalf of a large number of people who care about what it is you do at your company uh, is a very very powerful platform to start from, um, and, and listening to those answers, understanding those answers, and and yeah push a little bit to say, hey, maybe that answer is not good enough um, to drive those companies to, to affect change. You can't do it all overnight, um, but I would call what we're in with climate a crisis and a crisis requires urgency and, and urgency requires action and, uh, and compelling those companies to start that journey of taking action is, is something that I think is more available than ever to consumers and, and a very, very powerful opportunity. Definitely, and I think that was great advice in the world we live in today, you know, through social media or just phone calls to businesses or contact buttons. You know, even if they don't respond to your email directly, especially if you're asking the questions they might not want to answer, I think when they start seeing that consumers are asking these questions, they will realize the importance of it. Because uh -huh. I think we're all subconsciously asking ourselves these questions when, especially when we're in fast fashion stores, where we're like, oh, this is strange. How is this shirt $2? You know, and we're thinking like, how yeah. is this product made? But a lot of us don't want to verbalize these things because we all know we're directly contributing to this and we're handing over our money, essentially funding this, you know, just like the meat industry, when we go to a fast food restaurant and we're like, oh, how is this entire bucket of chicken? Like $2. We know exactly how that's $2, but no one wants to actually talk about it and ask those questions. Uh -huh. and you need to be talking about those questions in this day and age with Definitely. sustainability at the forefront of the climate crisis and the other environmental crises. So, do you think it's feasible for the whole apparel industry to become both socially and environmentally sustainable whilst still making a profit? Definitely. I mean, I, I think there is absolute profitability, uh, even with social and environmental sustainability. There's no question. I mean, it's been, that model has been proven out again and again and again. And, and I guess the, the thing to point out is, um, uh, that's going to come with varying degrees of success from varying companies, various uh, areas of focus from various companies. 
and uh, nobody's going to get all the way there instantly, totally, maybe ever. Um, but yeah, there are many, many, many models out there for social and environmental sustainability while still being highly profitable. Um, and so I think it's, it's a matter of making those decisions, you know, taking those first steps and, and away you go. And, and, uh, you know, I'm very proud of the fact that that's exactly what we do oftentimes is help companies and brands take those first steps, uh, towards their goal of being more sustainable. Amazing. Well, I think it's all we have for today, but thank you so much for being here with us. This has been an amazing conversation. I know I've learned so much. Um, so yeah. Well, I appreciate immensely the work that the two of you and all the people you work with are doing. I mean, for me, I, I have, you know, some years left in my career, but not as many as you. And, you know, coming up with these perspectives into industry, different industries, uh, is very, very powerful, right? You're the ones who are going to make that next big wave of change. So I, I love that you're starting this now. Uh, creating awareness, uh, developing your perspectives, educating yourselves, and uh, making decisions that matter for the future. It's great. Thank you so much.